Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, at Le- to Landry, excuse me, to SEC Football and Beyond. I've done so many. Landry Football Podcast. SEC um, Scouts Eye Podcast. This is SEC Football and Beyond. I know it's SEC Football and Beyond because my good friend and partner, Neil McCready, is here with me. Neil, good to be with you. I better just say, hey, it's been a rough morning trying to just get connected with you. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, hello, how are you? <laughs> better than me, I hope. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It, it happens. You Sometimes technological things uh, happen first thing in the morning. So... <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you, all you can do is sort of roll with it, which is what you did, and so we're all, we're all good. Yeah, it's um, obviously it's been a, it's been a busy time. We're we're less than a week away. A week from now, next Friday, we'll be talking about the first round and what happened last night in the draft. And so it is uh, can't get here soon enough. Usually by that last week, it's like, can we move this damn thing up a couple of days? It's uh, it's the the final stretch. Um, I have mentioned this several times before. But it is because it hits me in the head every every day that I'm dealing with with folks in the league is the the medical stuff is it's late to the party. The information is not as complete, detailed um, because of the lack of the combine. We had a form of a makeshift medical version with less players. So we're. We're getting a lot of information, and a lot of it is not new, Neil, but it's it's um, you, you always hear stuff leaked. So when you hear stuff leaked, there's a reason why it's leaked, you know. Uh, but it is it, it is a factor. We've got some more issues right now. For example, with Terrence Marshall, it, uh, confirmed that there's some people receiver from LSU. There's some legitimate issues with some people concerned medically about him. Um, and I'm curious to see. Remember, not a consensus. It's not everybody, but it, it could make a difference. And if he ends up going middle of the second round, for example, that's why. Um, it's because there's some people concerned. So that may be what is everybody. The, do you know? Yeah, he's you know he's had the, uh, the, the knee injuries and some of the stuff came back with some some concerns about bone on bone and, you know, so some things like that are medically given an evaluation that differs from team to team, doctor to doctor. Um, somebody, um, you know, may, may be more concerned about it than others. Somebody may see oh, it's a second contract issue. Um, it may make the difference between deciding what player. Now I still think 
if you're talking about the the next three receivers, I'm going to tell you what it could affect. Just in this example, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. It could flip Terrence Marshall and Rashad Bateman. They could flip Bateman, bigger guy, not big, but bigger. All the receivers, Tony Moore in that second cluster, they're smaller guys. So Terrence is a bigger, almost Michael Thomas-looking big hands. Everybody's going to have to make their medical determination of how risky and whether you want to mitigate the risk by maybe passing on him late first round. So I think that's going to be interesting. It's We're not going to know to the latter part of the first round when I think some of those guys are going to start to go, and it could, could push those guys into the second. But you've got that, you know, the whole – Justin Fields' epilepsy issue, you know, has been at, oh, my God, what's that? Well, that's not new. That's been known. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't pick up epilepsy like uh, COVID, you know, you know, yesterday. It, it, you know, it is, but why was it leaked? Well, it could be, so, oh, my goodness, what happened? Um, again, not a doctor. Let doctors decide that, but we've had players do that. In fact, there is a player going, ironically, in the Hall of Fame this year. Alan Fanuck, great offensive lineman for the LSU and the Pittsburgh Steelers, had epilepsy. Justin is, I think the big issue is, has he ever had any problem with it? And the answer is no. It hadn't affected him in Little League, Pee Wee League, junior high, high school, college, hadn't missed games, practice, workouts, anything. And the doctors feel like he'll grow out of it, which I guess is pretty common. You can grow out of it, and I'm not, again, not a doctor, but I've heard that. Uh, I guess there are different degrees of it, and if there is, he doesn't have a bigger one. Is it going to affect him? Is it going to affect somebody? No, I think it's going to be it's going to be where if you like him, you like him, and you probably, if you're down low, and I think it's going to be one of the themes in the draft is what's going to happen to the quarterback that doesn't go third, or the two quarterbacks that doesn't go third, and where they go how far they drop. So you got a lot of that that's going on right now with a lot of news, and uh, you're kind of wrapping up your meetings and finishing up your board, and you're trying to figure out who's going to be there. But, you know, there's so many storylines that are way beyond the top 10, top 15 picks that I think are going to shape this draft. But everybody is focused, as you know, on right now everybody is at three. Yep. 100% what is San Francisco going to do? Everybody's paying. And then what's going to happen at four? And then I almost get the feeling like people are going to say, oh, it's kind of like maybe getting the storyline middle of the movie and, <laughs> and wondering, but there's a whole lot of fun stuff that's going to come after that that people are not talking about. Yeah, and I get it because we like to talk about quarterbacks and we love to talk about the first round. And we like to talk about drama, and it's become pretty obvious that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one to, to uh, Jacksonville. Zach Wilson is going to go number two to the Jets. I mean, I, that, that appears to be pretty much etched in stone at this point. And then after that, it gets interesting because what happens is if the Niners go with Mac Jones, the people say, well, what happens with Fields? Do people try to trade up for Fields? And then, and I think this is more likely, and feel free to tell me that you think I'm an idiot because you, you know uh, infinitely more about this draft than I do. If Fields goes three to the Niners – What's most interesting to me at that point is what teams start to think about trading up for Jones. And there's 
That's them calling right there. Mac wants to know. Mac wants to Mac know. wants to know right there. He's calling. Where the hell am I going if I'm not going to Santa Clara? So the question is, and I heard this. This is a rumor, kind of all over the place. And like you said, when a rumor gets out, it gets out because people want the rumor out. Right. That doesn't change the fact that the rumor's out. Sure. Right? And so the rumor is out that one of the teams that's really interested in Mac Jones, if he's still available starting at four, is the New England Patriots. You know that Bill Belichick has a sure. relationship with Nick Saban, that uh, Belichick and, and Saban have obviously talked. They obviously talk a lot, and I'm sure that if Bill Belichick called Nick Saban and said, tell me everything about Mac Jones, that Nick Saban would. And there's rumors kind of going around the league, as I'm sure you know, that those conversations have happened and that New England's interest in Mac Jones has peaked, which is an interesting fit for me a little bit because, you know, we saw the success that New England had for decades with Tom Brady, who, while he's a great quarterback, I don't think anybody would ever call Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time. Correct. And so, you know, here's Mac Jones, who um, was terrific at Alabama this past season. Had Devontae Smith not been his receiver, Mac Jones would have won the Heisman. Um if he doesn't go to San Francisco, how much stock do you put into the the Patriots possibly making a move to go get their quarterback? Look, I think it's I think it's very uh, plausible because I think New England is definitely in the quarterback shopping business. Here's the thing that is interesting about where would Mac Jones go and how far would he drop? Because the draft is is I've hammered in on these platforms is not about consensus. It's who you like, but when people talk about that, and, and particularly the pundits that talk about it, that's what they're doing. It's, well, I've talked to 12 guys, and eight of them say this. That's great. Okay, but there's not eight, you know, it's 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 who's going to take whom. So if you were to poll and do a 32 teams, the majority would have, like, Justin Fields and probably Trey Lance ahead of Mac Jones because he doesn't fit what they want to do. Sure. So there are more teams that might say not as intrigued by Mac Jones, but New England might be one. Look, I can remember like yesterday, and he retired recently, and wish him all the best, Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers, and like both of them, but really liked Aaron a lot. And Aaron, there's no scenario where I thought he'd go down to 24 to Green Bay. You know, that could be – I don't think it'll be as precipitous a drop of Mac Jones, but it could be like that, you know, and maybe even fall into 15. But but maybe in today's world, there's more, incl- more inclination to move up and get him. So, yeah, I do think they'd be more teams interested in moving up to secure Justin Fields or maybe even Trey Lance, then Mac Jones. But all it takes is one, and and maybe that one is New England. So, you know, as I tell folks, I mean, I know it's interesting because it's really interesting where they're going to go and who they're going to go and who's lying and who's telling the truth and yada, yada, and it's – I get all that, but the reality is it's really about, you know, the fit, how you see them, and how they do, you know, because – and I don't bring up bad memories. I know you think I'm I'm digging you. I'm not because I'm not. Uh, I, I do like to have fun. But it's like I can remember the conversation at nausea. The Niners 
really, really like Mitchell Trubisky. That's what, you know, this and that. And, and then, you know, they're making the trade. And then, <laughs> and then you know, and I, I get that, you know. And, and, and so the whole conversation every year is about. And then often the storyline, Neil, the storyline of the player, it's like now we're talking about, you know, how, you know, it was such an unfortunate situation for the Bears and, and it didn't work out for them. And now they're trying to search for so. Put it all in perspective, folks, and yet we've had it. I mean, not not just that, but people moved up for Christian Ponder. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, you, we can go on and on, just a lot of them. So, well, human game, and humans make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, I think it's, 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 not, it's not a boy guarantee because the – a large part of whether a player is going to have success is what happens after the draft. It The best analogy, Parcells was the first I ever heard say it, but the more I think about it, is there a better analogy than shopping for groceries and cooking the meal? Because you do it. I know you great on the grill and cooking and all that good old Southern boy. Good ingredients are really important, but if you got the ingredients and you let them spoil, you don't you don't put the right combination together. You didn't cook what you got. I mean, you know, it really you 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 got a great steak, great piece of beef, whatever, and you you just you know everybody out there that likes to cook and grill the marination, the brining, and whatever stuff that that. That's good ingredients and good combination makes for a great meal. And everybody, you know, sits down and eats a good meal, appreciate it. But maybe they don't appreciate the great cook about what they're doing. And where I grew up in the Deep South and where you did, that some of the best cooks were those, those grandmas and moms that took, you know, the limited budget when things were really bad and they made – the gravies and the stews that could make meals go further and they could make something that a bad cut of meat just be tender and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff that, so that there is a lot to that. And I don't mean to be over philosophical about it, but it is really important that it doesn't matter where these teams go, not just what slots, but what teams and what happens after it. So it is going to be a great storyline. And I do think, at three, it's going to be, well, yeah, everybody said he was going to go, they were going to go with Mac Jones, or, oh, they were fooling again. I'm just pointing out, and that just happens to Mitchell Trubisky, that at this time last year, that's who they were going with. That was the guy. That's who they need to get up and get, yada, yada, yada. They got the Bears to move up one spot to secure him. And the guy all along that the Niners wanted, by the way, Solomon Thomas, who's been nothing but a bust in the league. So there you go. You know, the whole, the guy that they threw out there that they were interested in ended up being a bust somewhere else, and the guy that they drafted was a bust. So keep that in mind. Bleep, take- ha- bleep happens. You know, stuff happens, man. We've only been on the air 15 minutes, and twice you've used the T word. I mean, I mean hey, look. I just think I just think it's wrong. He's going to resin, resurrect his career in, in Buffalo as a backup to Josh Allen. Who knows? He may get that next contract, and we'll we'll, we'll all laugh about it one day when the Bears. I, I know last Tuesday, well, this past Tuesday, 
We talked about all the needs of the Bears. By the way, cheap plug this afternoon. Up next, the preview is the NFC North, and leading up the NFC North is the Bears. So I've got a lot of things to say, but I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm done with Bears talk on this show because <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody anymore. But no, it is, it is fixable. And, and the Bears are not the only ones that have messed up the quarterback position time and time and time again. There is hope but you got to fix it. And look, even when you have success, I was doing the NFC East yesterday, and I was kind of explaining to everybody, and it took a while I went over, Neil, because by the time I went over the needs of all four of those teams, I thought I was going to run into this show in the morning because it was so bad, so many needs, but, but it's a division that's winnable. Look at the Eagles. Look at the Eagles from the Super Bowl upsetting the Patriots to now yeah i mean even when you figure it out you don't have it figured it out and consistency is is a factor and you know i was went back and one of the things i did talk about with the bears you know let's remind folks made the playoffs last year folks it's not you know this is not they actually did a pretty good job coaching that team when you consider some of the issues that they have they've got some things to figure out but not all doom and gloom for those teams. I mean, I we're gonna you, win the whole you, thing. You're gonna be you're gonna be Bears fan. Good, God bless. You know, I know you have no sympathy, but imagine being the Lions fan. We don't even have a Lions fan. I, I think that we got Lions fans that listen. I don't think, even think they want to come into the chat room. I think they're just like totally offended. They, you know that that's who I feel bad for. You know, Bears have had their moment. It wasn't that long ago they were holding up the trophy and. They were the toast of the town. Wasn't that long ago? I was in high school. That wasn't that long ago, Neil. You're a young snapper. I mean, you know, you look older, but you didn't have hair in high school, probably. You didn't. Well, (laughs) it was on its way. Um, (laughs) All right, we'll get back to the draft in a minute, but there there is some college football news uh, this week. Um, Jeffrey Parrott has two questions, one college, one NFL, and these are both pretty interesting conversations. We'll start with the college football overtime changes. It's not drastic, but instead of after the first overtime, the second overtime will be uh, you have to go for two. And after the second overtime, it'll just be a battle of two-point plays. All right, I'm going to give you my thoughts here. Go ahead. I hate college football's overtime rules. I don't, I don't like the idea – Chris, of playing a football game for three-plus hours and then deciding who wins the game with a completely different set of rules. Yeah. Okay, I I don't like it. I understand the desire of college football to shorten the game. They don't like these long overtime games. The kids are exhausted. Injuries happen. It's, it's, It's. I get it. I understand that. I do. That being said, the idea of and just hear me out. Say Ole Miss and LSU are playing a football game in October in Oxford, and it's been a just a phenomenal football game. And it ended 42 to 42 at the end of regulation, and they both score a touchdown in overtime. So now it's 49 to 49 going to uh, going to the second overtime. Both teams score, both teams go for two and get it. Okay, so now it's 57 to 57. 
You're going to tell me that you're going to decide who gets a W and who gets an L on rotating two-point plays? I hate that. At the end of that game, someone's going to go, LSU won or Ole Miss won. I don't understand why college football can't look at the NFL and look at the overtime. I don't like sudden death either. Both teams get a chance at a possession. You flip the coin. You play extra period. You kick the ball. And if you score a touchdown, the other team gets the ball. At some point, I just think, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, at some point, maybe a game's just a tie. Yeah. And and, and maybe a game, you know, but I don't like, I don't like the idea of this, okay, we're going to go to a fourth overtime and it's just a two-point play. I, I don't like it. Yeah. Maybe you can talk me into like No, I – I despise college football overtime. It is, I, I, to the point where I cringe when we have an overtime game. I just, it is not football. I know, I know you got a son that's a good soccer player, and I know penalty kicks in soccer have been around, well, you know, a long time, as I can remember. Not that I follow it that closely. It's just not the same. And I get it. Those son of guns are just running on the field forever, and at some point you got you got to make it. And 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 maybe you know, and this is me. Maybe the only thing that's exciting is you you get shots on goal in soccer. So in some ways, penalty kicks are maybe exciting. But I, you know, football, it is never anything that you put the ball and say you go ahead. It's first down here on any given line. It's just it's not football, and I don't like it. And I. <clears throat> Understand that as you've made playoffs and you've got to advance, you've got to have some form of finding a winner because in the old days you could have a – look, Tom Osborne kicks an extra point in 83. He wins the national championship as a one-tie team, and Miami doesn't get their first title with Howard Schnellenberger. He didn't, and that's a credit to him, and he's always credited with a you know big pair of onions for doing that because he could have got his first – title then um but back then you could have ties in bowl games i'm not i don't like ties um but i don't like the system and i do think that you've got to limit it a little bit i i i am i do like the nfl one better i'm not crazy about that i um i do i've always thought and 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 i'm not real strong on it because I haven't thought it through enough or I haven't come up with enough. But I've always felt like it would be wrong with if you've got a tie game, if the game is coming down to the end and it's a tie, adding five minutes to it. Like like in soccer, they call it added uh, stoppage time, which, you know, yeah. Don't, don't get me on that. It's not a soccer show, but get a damn clock and stop it so we know what the hell time it is. It's, it just seems awkward. Anyway, whatever. Um, just extend the game five minutes. And, you know, extend the game five. So if you, you are, it's the fourth quarter, and you're driving, and it's a first down, and you're on the 15-yard line going in, and, and you know, you're not rushing, and you can just – you can um, – you can choose to try to kick it, win it in regulation, or 
you know, if you don't want to risk, go ahead, score, play defense for five minutes, you know, and then win the game, extend the game a little bit. It would be football. Football to me is is a conglomeration of a lot of things. It's kickoff, it's coverage, it's tackling, it's blocking, it's throwing, it's catching, it's running. I mean, it's all those things, and yet you 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 put it and say, let's put it at the 25. I get it may have some element of excitement, but it is really, really bad because what happens is the defense, by the time you get to the third overtime, has no chance. I mean, it it, it is it is – Almost unwinnable. It's just losable. You got no shot. Like I, I the most recent one was the LSU A and M game in College Station a couple of years ago. It was awful by the end, and I think it really affects the next week's game. I do too. Um, particularly in college, I don't like. I don't have the solution. I hate to be critical when I don't have the solution, but I don't like. I do not like the overtime rule. I do not like anything about it. I don't like the way it has been. I will say this, that if you're going to do it the way they're doing it, make them go for two, period, in overtime. So maybe, maybe you know, you you, you score, but then you got to stop them, and it, and it could be decided on, I stop your two-point conversion, and I made mine, and that's it, we go home. So, I mean, I think you got to do everything you can to try to prevent these, they're on the field for, you know, God knows how many series because nobody can play defense at that point with with roster limits and whatnot. I think it's bad football. How much as a coach does this change? And we'll get into this is going to lead into a fall camp question. They've, they've changed. Uh, they're, they're proposing some pretty significant fall camp changes, which I think probably are pretty good ideas. The the numbers, the statistics indicate that the majority of concussion inter, um injuries occur during fall camp but you get more injuries more concussion injuries in fall camp than you get the entire season combined but how much does this lead to you spending more time on two-point plays than you normally would well you you do i mean i think you you do spend some time short yardage plays in in maybe special to two-point plays i think you do i think you have to spend time on it i think you have to um emphasize it a little bit more red zone um is a big part of what you do on uh, on Thursday practices. So, I you know I think you 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 you're already doing it, and I think you could emphasize it a little bit more. I think you got to have really good plans for it. I think you got to you know certainly um, anything you do in the red zone, anything you do in short yardage, I think you want to really you know what it's going to affect Neil is just you know that you're going to call it more because you're going to have more situations in which. You gotta. You're gonna go for two more, um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be. You know, it's a a big, big factor. You know, with the running quarterbacks today, to me, you know, spread formation, shotgun. That was our that was our big red zone play with the Titans with Steve McNair. It's get four wides and shotgun and first reads there. If not run it, you get numbers in the box. He runs it and he was like a fullback getting it in. So. Uh, no, I think you're going to see a lot of emphasis on, okay, this is what we're going to do personnel-wise. This is what we're doing in the red zone. We just need to emphasize this a little bit more in terms of play call, play design, and just be more willing to call it in these situations because you're going to have to call a little bit more if it requires you to go for more two points. Are you for, the, in general, the changes with a less physical August? Um, 
not really. Um, I, I'm a. I don't want to get in. I don't want to take this down a, a a path, a long path. But I think the way we do all of football is incorrect. The the proper way to work football would be for colleges to come back after about a month after the season, you know, late February, have about a ten day call it a school or camp where you get in, you learn on the board, you do cardiovascular work, you get in the football shape, you end up with some practices, not pads, then you put pads on, then you end up with a scrimmage. Then you take, you come back in April and you do the same thing. You come back in early June and do the same thing. Then you come back in August. What you're doing then is you preparing. You camp. Well, it used to be. It ain't that way anymore. NFL ain't no contact. Right. That's the way – Football, college, NFL, high school should be done. You have to prepare your body for contact, the proper way to tackle, the proper way to do it, and then you have to let the body recover. It's like I've told you know, you're a runner. I mean, you don't sit there, I'm gonna run a marathon. I don't know what you do because you always run, but if you're sitting and preparing for a marathon, well, I mean you wake up one morning and not having run and say I'm gonna run twenty miles today or fifteen miles today. Of course not. It's ridiculous. Well, that's what we do in football. What we're going to do is we're not going to hit, we're not going to hit, we're not going to hit because if we hit, we get injured, we get injured, and we're going to play a game. What are we going to do? We're going to get hit. We've got more injuries. Why? The body's not prepared for that. So you got to prepare your body for it, proper way to do it. You're going to have injuries. It's a physical game. Prepare your body for it. Back off. Recover time. No one wants to do that. The emphasis is college and now in the NFL is Less contact, less contact, less contact. There's not a lot of contact in college practices during the season. I don't know how many of our fans really know that. There's very little contact. You just the bodies get beaten down a little bit. But part of it is you're not training the players properly for the the physicality that goes through, you know, a longer season. And we got more games in the NFL, more games in college, but we do less to prepare for it. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're going to trick people into thinking that no practice, no practice, no practice. That's again. So that's the marathon rule is, no, not going to run. I'm going to sit. I'm going to watch TV, watch TV, watch, sit down on the couch, 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 couch. Now I'm going to go and run. I'm going to save up all my energy so that I've got all that energy that I can run 26 miles. It don't work that way. You have to – why do you work out? Do you, do you work out, get a little stronger? Everybody understands this. I'm being silly. I don't mean to be. It's, it, you know, I'm, I, I'm putting a little weight after the holidays. You go out, exercise a little bit. You're tired. Go out and do a little bit more. Now you're not as tired. A little bit more, a little bit more. Well, football is no different, and I'm not just talking about cardiovascular work. I'm talking about the football work. That's, football. that's what we're doing. You mentioned the running. I've told people this. People will ask me, like, how do I get, hey, I want to run a marathon. What do I do? I'm like, okay, well, you got to. First, make sure you're in shape to do a, tra- a training program, and then you need to follow the program. And because there's more to there's more to getting your body ready for a marathon, for example, than just your heart and your lungs being able to handle the the cardio. In fact, that's the easiest part. The hardest part is conditioning your ankles, your feet. Uh, people laugh, but your nipples. <laughs> I mean, the, some of the stuff that you've got to kind of get used to, because otherwise. You, like you said, you go out and you get the guy that's in great cardiovascular shape and he goes out and runs 17 miles and he hasn't kind of prepared himself, he's not he's, he's going to hurt in a, in a way that, that uh, he's not going to be able to continue the training. He'll have to completely shut it down to get himself back healthy enough to start again. 
Yeah. And it's like, you know, they've, everyone's taken the attitude. And I think the public, the media, everybody does this. Guy gets injured in minicamp training. A meaningless minicamp practice, he gets injured. So you're going to increase the chances of getting an injury when the games count. It's okay when a guy gets injured in the first week of the season, the first two, three weeks of the season, because you haven't prepared your body. That's okay because the games matter. <laughs> but it, you know, but if you did a little bit more, yeah, you would have injuries in practice. But you would prepare yourself better. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, that's why the tackling is so poor and the physical part of it's so poor. Yeah, all of that's a factor. No doubt. No doubt. Let's go back to Jeffrey's question. He says, um, any merit to what Tom Brady was whining about with the, uh, the jersey numbers? And for those who missed it, the NFL is uh, going to relax its regulations and rules about jersey numbers. Uh, in the past, you know, for example, linebackers had to wear numbers in the 50s. Um, receivers had to wear numbers in the 80s. They've they've backed off that, really opened it up to make it look more like the college game in terms of jersey numbers. Is, is, is Brady just being old school or is he on to something? Yeah, well, you know, this is, this is the second opening up. If you can remember, all the receivers used to be 80 numbers. But you, you couldn't do that because as you – headed more three and four wide receiver sets, you got more receivers on the roster. You don't have enough 80 numbers. And they used to have 80 numbers used to be um, defensive linemen. You know, when, when you only have four receivers on your squad times 32, you, you not, not that big of an issue. You, got, you know, you, you could fit all those in. Can't do that now. So it opened it up to the teens and the single digits and all that. Um, line, I mean, there's no real reason to open up numbers-wise the linebackers because you got – probably less linebackers now, but um, no, I'm not quite sure what, I, I heard, I, I'm not quite sure what Brady was thinking. The only thing that, that you're talking about is, so when, a, if you ever hear the mic open up on the field, the, you'll hear the quarterback say, 52's the mic, 52's the mic. What you're doing is identifying the mic backer. You got Five offensive linemen, you've got the four defensive linemen, or if it's a three, four, you got an outside backer. You've got those guys to block plus the mic backer. What that does by identifying 52 is the mic, 52 is the mic, now it tells tight ends in your backs who they've got. So the only thing now is you might say, have to say, six is the mic, six is the mic. Um, does it potentially affect? From a blocking standpoint, is it maybe going to be a little bit unusual to be able to, you know, get up onto the second level of the guard and you're blocking the number six? You know, you may have to be prepared that, whoa, that number six is not the safety coming downhill. It's the linebacker that, you know, it's a little bit – it's not that big of a deal. It's it's really not. Um, in terms of identification, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so Tom had an old man moment? I, I think so. I don't know what his – I don't know what his what – his, point was I don't know if he was joking I don't know if he was serious um yeah it's a little bit of an adjustment it's a little bit of a different look um now I will say this I do think it's an issue if you were allow an offensive lineman to have a you know because I think visually because you got offensive linemen downfield you know sometimes you might miss that and I know these linemen are big but sometimes, you know, if you got a, a number six going downfield, you might, as an official, might not 
you know, in a flash might miss it a little bit. Does that make any sense? In other words, you don't, you, you're used to seeing 66. Um, I could see some of that, but I, it is not enough to sit there and worry about, but it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. You've got to make an adjustment as you make the adjustment with more receivers or more defensive backs. You don't have enough number spots for those guys to, to have with twenties and twenties and 30 numbers. You know, you gotta, you gotta have that. Get back to some draft stuff in a second, and also a couple other things that came up yesterday around the SEC. One that's just very, very distressing to, to, to even talk about, think about. But first, I want to tell you we're brought to you by Blue Sky. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experiences. Experience, I should say, from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh. They always provide the freshest flavors of the brand name products. And the best services available, they even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and at Blue Sky, they want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of the 48 store locations across the southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi, Alpha is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, which is the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. They also have cargo trailers, one of the most hallmark cargo trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. They've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories, and listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601 932-9798 932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Please make sure you tell them that you heard about Alpha on the MPW Digital Network of Podcasts, which includes SEC football and beyond. Uh, the, the, the distressing news last night popped up on my phone. I was You were mentioning grilling. I was outside grilling, and something popped up on the phone about Terrence Clark, the former uh, Kentucky guard. He just signed with an agent earlier this week. 19 years old, probably was going to be drafted late first round in the NBA draft this summer. Involved in a uh, car accident in Los Angeles. It was a one-car accident. It appears he was speeding. He ran a red light. He hit another car, hit a pole. He was not wearing his seatbelt properly if he was wearing it at all. Um, He died shortly thereafter. Just an absolute tragic loss. It's... uh, one of those things, Chris, you never can kind of put your, your – your, your, you can't really wrap your head around a 19-year-old guy who is literally months away from seeing his dream come true and, and from getting started on his professional career. And in a, in a millisecond, it's over. Yeah, just every time I hear something like that, it just kind of stops in my cracks and, you know, tracks and say, well, what, you know. 
I don't know. You're just worried about, okay, next meeting I got, I got this, and, you know, can I get this done? Get to, And it, it, it's, look, I mean, that's all what we do. We got to, we all have our lives, and we can't live as if, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow. Sure. I, mean, I get that, but it, it does make you stop and realize that what's important. And there was somebody, there was, this is philosophical, but there was a guy, I forget his story and where he was, so I apologize. But he was in a hospital, and he was close to dying. And he said, "The first thing I thought he was in, he was in sales." He says, "This can't be happening. I got a big sales meeting with my crew tomorrow, or, or something like that." And then he he realized, "I got to get my life in perspective. You know, uh, jobs are important. Everything's important. Uh, but it's a moment like this that this young man is just starting his life." great future that just we have a lot of fun we have a lot of fun here hopefully try to do things in light folks it's it's the it's the toy department of life it's not um what's important is the loved ones and you know doing what you can to enjoy each day because we're not promised tomorrow we don't know that we saw tiger woods get into a really bad car accident not long ago and thank god that he's still alive but it could have been different you know, we saw Kobe Bryant, which, you know, was the, I don't want to say the forgotten because no one's forgotten it, but shortly after COVID hit this country and it was, you know, but that is as big as Kobe was and as much as it's been talked about. I I don't think it was nearly talked about as much last year because of the year it was in the country, in the world. Um, but it it's a lesson that, boom, they're gone. It It's regardless how rich, regardless where you're going to get drafted, regardless how much you make, regardless how much trouble you have, regardless, we're not promised tomorrow. And it's, um, it is something really tough about burying a young one. And I just, uh, I've known people that have had to bury their kids and it is, um, that's the first thing I think of. The first thing I think of is that young man has a life that he, he's, not going to be able to, you know, see. And then I'm the difficulty of a parent to have to bury someone like that. I don't know that I could survive something like that personally, emotionally. But, yeah, it is It is really devastating to hear. And um, yet it happens every day. It's what happens like that. It's just when it's something that we know, somebody we know or somebody that we know of, mm-hmm. we've heard of, it, it's – we ought to probably, you know, in our own way, if you're inclined to do so, say a prayer because how many times a day is that going to happen to somebody else? Or what we're hearing in the news today, tragically, I hate to even bring this up, but it's like, are you feeling the way out there like I am? You wake up and you say, which city's going to have somebody shoot people in the store today? Because it's we're 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 one a day now. It's almost like damn it's going to happen somewhere and it's um it's just really it's really tough and it's um you don't we we can't understand and explain it but that that was definitely heartbreaking and uh i can remember a lot of stuff i can around draft time i remember one you remember brandon burlsworth arkansas and i do you know, really like brandon got to know him real well and scouting him and and well 
told him I was going to do everything I could. I wanted to draft him for us. And the coach drafted him, boom, driving to pick up his mom and went off the road, passed away. I can remember, and he wasn't going to be a high pick. In fact, he was going to be a free agent. But he was a very good college quarterback, Brooke Berenger, Nebraska quarterback. Oh, yeah. You know, like about a week prior to the draft. I mean, we're in meetings. And it wasn't social media, internet, all that kind of stuff. But he died in a – he had a pilot's license, and he did one of those – he had one of those prop plane type things. He was in the plane by himself and um, died in a plane crash. And um, I'll tell you, you know, what did, that just, I remember, Chris, and he, he had started his NFL career. And you, I bet you know where I'm going with this. As a North Louisiana guy um, who would go to Monroe sometimes – often and one of the places that we would go in the summer um was critters creek you know we would go to they had slides and and stuff pools and crap and um hearing the story about joe delaney oh yeah the 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 chiefs running back who had been a superstar at northwestern state in louisiana and was yeah just beloved in North Louisiana. This is back in the day, you know, newspapers were the thing. You remember that, Chris, back in right. the times when, when President Jefferson would tell us what papers we could read. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'd get up every morning, I'd read the Monroe News Star, and you'd read all about Joe Delaney. And Joe Delaney's accomplishments were bigger than life. And then he dies trying to save some boys at a pond at Critters Creek right there in, in Monroe. And, and um, it was, it was very difficult at that point as a, as a kid to imagine that Joe Delaney was gone. And still, all these years later, that one's still one that when someone mentions it, I, I kind of feel like this pit this this pit in, the, in my stomach because he was – if you were a kid growing up in North Louisiana, Joe Delaney was like a, like a god. Oh, he was a great player. The thing that I remembered most about him – and I think it's been featured a lot – he didn't know how to swim, and he went in to try to save a kid. Yeah. And that doesn't tell you about the character of that guy, the response, and didn't think and went in to try to, with no, God bless him, probably no capability of saving anybody because he can't swim himself. He didn't care. He was going to do whatever he could. It was going to react. That that That's the thing that just was heartbreaking about that. I remember that. Um, I had, you know, look, I mean, I remember getting ready for um, getting ready to play was at LSU getting ready to play Tulane last game of the year, and we get a call from Tim Jorgerson, who was our he was the strength coach. He had gone to Atlanta and got a call by eleven thirty at night telling me that Ralph Norwood had passed away, died in a car accident. Ralph was a a very high pick and a very good tackle for us and um at LSU and um and died over there. I can remember I was in Cleveland and um, I was, we had a little bit of time, you know, a couple of weeks Belichick gave us off in the summer. So I'm flying home to Baton Rouge to see my parents. And that's all only occasion I did just come and see them, spend a little time with them. And I'm flying and I land and, um, because I, I was flying in and, and I was going to have a use of a vehicle. A friend of mine, uh, an assistant AD at LSU picks me up at the airport and the first thing he tells me he says I got some awful news and Eric Andelsek just yeah. got killed. Eric Andelsek was in his home of Thibodeau, Louisiana and if you had to he was 
he was weed eating his ditch. And it's one of those big culvert ditches on uh, Highway 308, which you wouldn't make. It means nothing to anybody there. I don't know. I said it. Anybody in, in South Louisiana in a 308, big, big. And he's weed eating, and an 18-wheeler comes off the road and hits him. And, you know, always thought it would have to be an 18-wheeler to kill him because if it was a 4x4 truck, um, Eric would have popped up. He was, he was just, you know, and so I'm there, and I don't know what made me coming down for a couple of weeks. I threw a suit just in case, you know, you never know when you come in, you know, vacation. Thank God I did because obviously I went there, and I, I went there, and there's, you know, Wayne Fonts and Chris Spielman and guys like that come down because he was with the Lions, really good player. I can remember recently Marquise Hill, second-round pick, uh, played in the national championship. He was – down in a, 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 in a second-round pick of the Patriots. Um, Labor Day weekend, uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. You know, I just I can remember getting ready to go. I was actually playing a little golf with some buddies here at the University Club at LSU, and I got up right before I put the phone in the, in the bag, you know, got um, a message. It was more more recent where you could get texts, and, that he had drowned. So, yeah, it just it makes you realize, um, and he died in Lake Pontchartrain, which, you know, Lake Pontchartrain, you know, oh, near sure. New Orleans. That's a, that's a, so yeah, I don't know why we're, you know, so macabre here, but it's, it's a lesson that, you know what, in, in a day and age when a tough 2020 that we had, just, you know, be appreciative for every day because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah, I tell my kids all the time, you know, it's that, that whole deal of, I mean, you just you don't even think about it anymore. But for the love of God, buckle your seatbelt. Yes, yes. Be smart. And be smart. Anyway, uh, for any of the Kentucky fans out there, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you and with the Clark. Not that they're listening, but boy, what a what a. And it's going to be tough for BJ Boston, who was right behind it. I think. Oh, and, what an awful situation! Yeah, explain it. So he was driving behind him, and obviously, witness I, to I, that. I've heard something. I'm not going to repeat it, but he was certainly he certainly saw it. Let's put it that way. That's awful. That's it's a, that's a traumatic thing um, to yeah, hear about well, hear about yeah, something yeah. and to see it. I can tell you, there are things that you know I've seen that nothing like that that I still have issues with. You know, you know, in, in my life that that young man, if he if he was witness to any of that, that that's that's an awful thing to have to remember and deal with. All right, last handful of minutes here. We'll try to cheer things up. I'll, I'll yeah. go back to some draft questions, and I'll be the idiot, and you can laugh at me. Um, a lot of talk about Denver wanting to trade up. Denver looking for a quarterback. A lot of people starting to attach Trey Lance to them, which means that obviously people are trying to put things out there. I've, I've learned that from you, and, and that's true. But it's out there, so it makes me ask you about it. If you're Denver evaluating your quarterback room, today are you looking for a fix in this first round is there a guy in this first round that if you could trade up and get he makes sense for your franchise yeah I think at nine first of all they're in a position to perhaps get one of them to fall to them and so yeah maybe moving up one spot to eight uh, to secure somebody else not moving up to Carolina for example if you got Justin Fields top three on your board I don't think Denver has their long-range answer at quarterback on their team I think Drew Locke has some ability. I think Drew Locke, um, it's a little early for him. But in my opinion, I don't think they're going to be comfortable that they're going to go where they need to go with Drew Locke. Now, you know, Denver's actually not a bad roster at all. 
they're going to struggle in that division because the quarterbacks are good. Um, you've got um, the the quarterback that was just so outstanding last year is Justin Herbert. Um, we all know what Patrick Mahomes has been. I think Derek Carr is very underrated. He certainly would be third best in that group. Denver's going to struggle. They're going to have to be so great around Drew Locke that, and I think the lack of consistency, the lack of consistent accuracy with him is going to be the drawback long range. So I would be very interested if I were Denver in getting a quarterback. There, This is not John Elway making the pick. Let's remind folks. They are so gun-shy, and that fan base is so gun-shy, and the media because they, I, we don't have enough time in the show to go through all the quarterback misses John Elway had. I mean, other than recruiting Peyton Manning there, it was like eight disasters one after the other. Signings, draft picks, a mess. So I think they're a little gun-shy. I don't think you can be. I think the answer is very simple. If they really like Trey Lance, they've got a good grade on him. Trey Lance hadn't played enough football to know. To me, that's he's a riskier guy. Yeah. Justin Justin Fields is less risky. So I, I'm all for it for Denver, particularly if they don't have to move very far. And I don't know that they have to move at all. We'll see. Does make sense. They need other help. Micah Parsons make a lots of, lots of sense for him at nine if they're not concerned about off the field. And I don't know that they are. So yeah, I think it it absolutely. I think that Denver is in the quarterback interest business. I think Philly should be. I think Minnesota should be. Although that contract with Kirk Cousins has killed him. You mentioned New England. Uh, I think Washington. I think all those teams should have an interest. In one of these quarterbacks, should they, in that order, with Washington being further down at 19, maybe less likely to do anything? So I think it's what we talked earlier in the, in the show, one and two, I think, are, are etched in stone. It, it appears that 49ers, whether it's Fields, whether it's Jones, they're going to go quarterback at three. So the Atlanta Falcons sitting there at four kind of have the draft in front of them, if you will. They can do most anything they want other than take one of the top three quarterbacks. As of today, some people say it's Kyle Pitts. Some people say it's Panay Sewell. Some people say they're going to trade down. What do you anticipate Atlanta doing? And if you're in Atlanta's war room, kind of what what's when, – when you're a hand-raised guy, what are you suggesting? Well, if I'm at four and I'm them, I'm standing there and I'm taking Panay Sewell. I mean, I think that really – if you're going to help that team the most, he can do that. He's safe. You got Jake Matthews. I think Sewell can play guard early and move out to tackle. I think he gives you insurance. I think he gives you help, and it helps to build an offensive line that can't run the football and that can't protect Matt Ryan. And we can talk. I man, you've no been problem. consistent on Sewell. I mean, you have you have not back. You haven't yeah. wavered at all on that. Yeah, I I um. I have no problem if they take Kyle Pitts. You know, I, it, it's certainly a weapon and all that, but you got to protect, and I think Sewell's elite. Now, I, they've thrown out a lot of quarterback talk. Well, I think it's – we'll see next week. I think it's – they're trying to get their phone to ring because, you know, I think people that may think, well, we can go to eight and maybe get the quarterback that slips. I think what they're saying well, – Whoa, 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 we're four here. And as they go quarterback, 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 if that's the way it goes, you want your guy, Fields, Lance, Jones, whatever it is, you, you better not forget our number because, you know, we can control. So I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, some people think um, it's Pitts, 
Some people think it's a trade. Some people think it may be a quarterback. And uh, if it's quarterback, it would probably be Trey Lance. It wouldn't wouldn't be Mac Jones um, if Atlanta took him. So I, that's yeah. kind of where I, I see it. Then I think Cincinnati, I think it's probably Chase. And I think Miami, Miami, I think, is in good spot. I think between Chase, Pitts, or Sewell, one of them is going to be there. And, and to me, I stay there. And I'm not moving up. I'm not moving down. That's what I think. Now, do they have a much higher grade on one of or two of those players or one of those players relative to the other two? That might determine whether they'd want to move up one or not. But for me, I'd stay there. I also will throw this out. I would not totally rule out Detroit. As I said this before, what if they really had a high grade on, on, on Justin Fields? Would, would they, I would not totally rule that out. I, was I know they traded for Jared. Detroit, yeah. I know they traded for Jared Goff, but it's a contract that they can gradually, and I, I'm going to talk about it a little bit today, but it's a contract that they could gradually move on from if they really liked him. Um, so we'll see, but I, I, I don't know that that's where they're going to go. Heck, I don't know if they're going to have time in the history of Detroit to to develop a young quarterback, but I think that'll be interesting there. Um particularly if they've got their heart set on Chase and he's gone, you know, but that, that's where another receiver could go uh, to help the quarterback or we'll see. So I think I, – I, uh, listen, I think it's interesting. I agree with you. Atlanta and then, you know, Cincinnati, Miami, Detroit, Carolina. I think that's a real interesting stretch. Then going down, then I think it gets into a, those players are all gone that I'm speaking of. Then, then you're getting into that next tier of – Man, it opens up. So it's a lot of the what I'd call the six five grades, twenty players, same grade. Boy, we can go a lot of different directions. I may see a little bit of, you know, the rest of the receivers in the corners and the beginning of the second tackles, but somebody, somebody might want to go with an edge rusher real quick. And I'm just gonna say this, I know as we go out, remember the name Zaven Collins of Tulsa. He will likely go higher than people think. So, I mean, I know even on my board at 21, wouldn't surprise me if he's a top 12 pick. This guy can run. He's an energizer bunny. He's 270 pounds. He can play off the ball linebacker. He's not playing off the ball linebacker 270. This guy's going to play with his hands down, rush the passer, be able to stand up and rush from a two-point stance. This guy is may go a little bit higher, and it wouldn't shock me if he's the first rush guy off the board. I think he's in the mix. I've got similar grades, and I maybe think it's going to be somebody else, and I've got him sacked that way. Wouldn't surprise me. That's that's my little nugget of watch out for. All right, last thing, because I'm curious about this team a little bit. When you live in Oxford all these years, you saw a lot of Giants. You heard a lot of Giants talk, because obviously Eli Manning was the quarterback of the Giants for a decade and a half. They've they've, they've got Daniel Jones there at quarterback. They, they – as you mentioned, the East is eminently winnable for anyone because there's nobody that's great in that in that division. Mm-hmm. If you're the Giants at 11, I've got them at 11. I think that's correct. If mm-hmm. you're the Giants at 11, there's going to be a lot of different ways you could go. You have a roster that has different needs. Is there – and I know the answer is you take the guy that's highest on your board. Is it, When you look at them from a Giants standpoint, are there a couple of people that you have targeted or is there is there a need in particular that you want to address here? Yeah, they, you know, Dave Gettleman, you know, certainly likes big guys. I think that's where, and, and I throw that out. I'm not saying he's the guy, but I just mentioned Dave and Kyle. I mean, edge rusher, it's one of the things 
didn't have the Giants in mind, but that's kind of where I was thinking. They don't have enough edge rushers, and they need more of that. They um, could use another offensive lineman, a guard in particular, um, too high for center. I think a tackle's a need for it. So I think offensive tackle, I think defensive end are real possibilities. However, at 10, there's a possibility that a really elite player is there. Would they take Devontae Smith if he was still there? Would they take Jalen Waddle if he were still there? I don't – I mean, you start doing the numbers. Well, he's not going to be it. You start doing the numbers and you start seeing where the quarterbacks go. Somebody's got to be there. So there's going to be somebody that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. I don't know that that's what I mean, Dave's going to do. Along those lines, not to interrupt you, I'm looking at a couple of different mock drafts that have Devontae Smith still still available at 11. You know, Jalen Waddle going ninth, for example. I mean, there's, like you said, at 11, there are going to be some good players on the board. No question about it. And again, with the quarterbacks that are going to be overvalued, and if there are four, maybe even five that go within that, well, then start doing the numbers, folks. Some of those really good players that are non quarterbacks, they become really attainable, you know, outside the right at the top 10, right, right outside of it. So, I, you know, if I had to guess, I think they'd go big guy. I would say, Maybe Collins wouldn't surprise me if Anojalori goes that high and may like his edge rush ability. That's more along the lines of what Dave has done, but it could be a playmaker for the offense. Need-wise, they certainly need it. Now, they did sign Kenny Galladay, who's really good receiver, um, and so I don't know that that's their biggest need, but I still don't think they have a true number one receiver. What I'm saying is if a number one receiver goes there – I think, methinks Dave Gettleman is going to be a little bit more alarmed about the slight of built of Devontae Smith than maybe some others would be. So maybe he would leave Devontae on the board for somebody else. But I throw it out there as a consideration because uh, I do think a number one receiver is something that they need. Boy, it'd be hard for me sitting in a draft room to see Devontae Smith on the board and and I get it. I know he's not big, but, man, he is a playmaker. And and I tell you what, uh, uh, an elite corner, too. I mean, you know, is you, you think Sertain may go to Dallas, but maybe not. Caleb Farley, J.C. Horn. I mean, you you know, there's good good players, good players right at that spot where, you know, people are not as excited because people want to know, again, what's going to happen at the top of the quarterbacks. But, that's going to get that's going to be a little bit more piece of fun. And a reminder to everybody, I'm going to take you through all of that on the draft show every pick a half an hour before the pick start uh right here where you're listening to this show, uh the Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, um and Chris Landry on uh, Landry Football anyway. We're going to take you through all of that and take you through all those scenarios as it gets on the clock, there'll be information kind of flowing behind the scenes. Be able to provide that for you, give you that, and give you a kind of peek behind the curtain. So it's going to be a ton of fun next week, all Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Hope my voice holds up. All right. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll give your voice a break here for a minute. Uh, I know you've got more shows to do today, so follow Chris at uh, LandryFootball.com. Make sure you're on his uh, Facebook page, you're on his YouTube channel, Twitch channel, all of that as we get ready for the draft. When we come back on Tuesday, it will be um, Eve Eve of the NFL draft, so we'll we'll talk – the latest from there is some spring games this weekend. I'm covering one tomorrow, so we'll talk about a little bit about spring football. And I know some yeah. people have wondered, when, hey, when are you guys going to start breaking down SEC football? Let us get through the draft. 
And then on the other side of the draft, we'll start talk, taking a look. What we'll do is we've kind of talked about this a little bit is we'll have a day where we'll take South Carolina, for example, and maybe yeah. Mississippi State, for example, and we'll really dive into those rosters. Yeah, I'm going to get through the tape, too. In May and June, I'll get through the much spring practice tape as I get from them and go through it sequentially, which is really neat, folks, because then you can watch like in two hours – I can watch how they really progress through the years. So, yeah, we'll do that with all the teams. Um, Got to get through the draft, though, so that I can get to the tape. Don't have time for that yet. All right, so you guys enjoy your weekend. Be safe out there, and we will see you on Tuesday for another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Take care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.